How's it hanging, ladies and folks? I'm Chris R.R. Balzo, and this is Chris Does Scald. Scald was a weekly, serialized, sword and sorcery narrative written and performed by Aubrey Sitterson. It is the only story that matters. The only weekly, serialized, sword and sorcery podcast in all the Sundered Worlds for 160 consecutive weeks. From March 2015 to April 2018, Aubrey dropped a brand new episode every single Tuesday morning without fail and did it all in one single flawless take. That's bonkers. And so, as homage and as tribute, I stand before you today, ready to recite the very words that molded me into the person I am now. This is Chris Does Scald. The balls of his feet touch down lightly, those shimmering grains of purple sand tickling his bare skin, sliding up between his toes as they gripped the earth. He breathed audibly, but he wasn't winded. He breathed out loud, not because he needed to, but because it pleased him, because it felt good to know that his body, that he himself was not just in the world, but was a part of it, a part of that magnificent, gleaming forest, both impossible and full of possibilities. He breathed deeply, allowing his lungs to stretch wide as they filled with the smell of hard work rewarded the scent of triumph acknowledged, and the sweet, drifting aroma of honeysuckle. His toes sunk down into that purple sand, displacing the incandescent grains, those individual crystals, wholly unique, perfect in their imperfection. He dug his toes deeper, burying them in the sand, its surface warmed by the red sun's gentle rays, but cool and damp mere inches down. And as he did so, countless grains of sand collided together. Countless crystal chimes rang out in unison, filling the forest with the music of a unique talent. The sound of that talent perfected and the lasting echo of a golden harp. His body spoke with the forest, communicated with the world itself. He inhaled its sweet breath and returned its kindness with a tune of otherworldly provenance. And just as his body spoke to the world, so too did his mind speak with his body. A wild talent, honed and refined, his mind had taken, no, it had earned complete mastery of his body. It had turned his hands, his feet, every part of him into a tool, a tool of majestic power, of unending possibilities capable of forming, of changing, of bettering the world around him, capable of creation. Mastery of his mind begat mastery of the body. Mastery of the body begat mastery of the world. And now, now he had to but think of something, merely dream of it, and it became as real as the roaring river that climbed the falls the sprawling castles in the clouds, or the ever-burning flame at the bottom of the bottomless sea. He had been lonely. He had been bored. But he had fixed both. 
He had conjured a friend in a challenge and set it loose in that dazzling forest. A breathtaking beast whose kind once not only blanketed the sundered worlds, but ruled them, settling disputes between the seasons, arbitrating the sun and the moon's disagreements, and most crucially, deciding which species would receive their blessed favor. But in a stroke of irony that not even those wondrous beasts could escape, they had been struck down by the very creatures they had favored above all others. But he had no taste for irony, the basest and most fleeting of joys. So he shook his head and smiled as he summoned the beast back into being. Driven to starvation and extinction, the magnificent creature had been the last remaining emissary to the sundered worlds, the last remaining link to a time before time. It had been slaughtered not just by a man, but by a king, cut down in its prime with so much left undone. But in that shining, singing forest, the creature had returned. The beast had been resurrected, its coat gleaming as the red sun's rays bounced off its long, twisting, alabaster horn. He wanted to learn from the beast. Even though they shared no language, he wished to struggle for common ground, to fight through the weeds of confusion and misunderstanding, to share and be shared with, to benefit from the accumulated knowledge of that majestic creature and its long extinct race. But that would come later, because what he really wanted, what he truly needed, was to interact with the world, to feel its wondrous nature coursing through his veins. He needed to run. He had the lean, muscular form of a runner, a sprinter's body, formed by need and conscious desire, a frame carved knowingly from a block of flawless marble. Perfectly formed and flawlessly maintained the better to speak with, to parlay with the ground around it. And that's exactly what he did. He planted his right foot in front of his left. He flexed his ankle and the muscles of his legs snapped to obey, driving the earth down and back beneath him as he sprang toward the beast. Though they couldn't speak to one another, the beast understood enough to know the game, enough to know that there was but one thing required, one thing expected of it, that it run, that it drive forward, hooves pounding upon the purple, incandescent sand, that it force the world backward faster and faster until it swallowed up its pursuer, dragging him downward, holding him against the earth. So the creature ran. And he, the relentless dreamer, the tireless creator, ran after it. The beast was miraculously fast, its four hooves moving so quickly that its individual footsteps blended together into a single rolling peal of thunder. But no matter how fast the creature ran, though it lowered its head and leaned forward, though it strained so hard that it moved faster than the wind itself, it could not pull ahead. When he saw the beast move faster, he too picked up speed. If the creature took longer strides, he dreamed longer legs for himself into being. If the beast pushed down harder, then he created new muscles, new tendons to pull them, and new blood vessels to fuel them. 
His confidence drove his mind, which powered his body, which reached out into the world around him and created something where before there was nothing. Suddenly, he began moving faster, much faster. He began closing the gap between himself and his quarry. How did he do it? It didn't matter. All that mattered was that he willed it. He commanded it so, and his mind, body, and the world itself bent to obey. He drew close, dangerously close as he drew up alongside the beast, his hands reaching out toward this last endangered example of a forgotten, lost species. Flowers burst from the ground wherever he touched down, shoved backwards by the force of his pounding footsteps, and the exact, precise moment, the only moment it could ever have been, he leapt. He pushed the earth downward, leaving his body suspended in the air, hanging there impossibly for a brief, unending moment. He brushed the beast's fur, caressing it gently as his hands slid around the creature's massive, muscled neck, fingers locking together as he crashed into the beast, dragging it to the ground below, the earth still spinning from their frantic chase. They tumbled to the ground, their impact sending up plumes of fine purple sand that got caught in the wind, filling the air not with the gentle chimes of running, but with the raucous, brassy outburst of struggle. They fought together, the beast biting, kicking in eight directions and thrashing that deceptively sharp horn from side to side. But the relentless dreamer was too fast, too strong, too clever, and he held the beast close to him, pressing his forehead to its temple as to avoid that long, twisting, alabaster horn. He shared a brief moment with the creature, made an unspoken agreement before leaping up, before he flashed an exuberant grin between heavy breaths and dashed off into that warm, buzzing forest. He ran and he ran, forcing the world down and behind him, Though there was nothing ahead, he ran anyways, confident in his ability to create the ground to run upon, the forest to run through, and the very air to pull into his lungs. He had succeeded as the hunter, but that was only half of the game. Now it was his turn to be the prey, to be the hunted, the quarry, his turn to escape the galloping beast behind him. So he breathed deep his chest rising and falling with the sandborn music that filled the air, and he ran. He took joy from the wind in his face, from the sweet ache of his tired muscles, from the sharp pain of his feet slapping against the sand, and as he did so, he stole a moment to glance over his shoulder, to look back at the wondrous beast that pursued him. Lips pulled back over its teeth, Nostrils flaring, the creature craned its neck forward, desperate to catch its prey. Even the air around the beast was different, special, miraculous. Dazzled by the creature's sparkling halo, he was unable to tell whether it came from the beast itself or was merely some optical illusion. Incapable of determining whether the twinkling lights that fell from the beast's wild, unkept mane were just the natural result of gentle light playing upon the sand that they had kicked 
up into the air. Delighted by the uncertainty, fueled by the mystery, driven by the unknown, he laughed and turned, eager to continue sprinting ever harder, ever faster. But when his eyes turned forward once again, what awaited him caused his stomach to sink to the soles of his aching feet. It was the proctors, those vile, hateful, willfully blind proctors, sashes tied tightly around their eyes, the better to hide from the world. Cloaked all in black, a shocking contrast to the brightness of the forest they poured into, they had clawed their way through the firmament, tearing open jagged holes, yawning passageways from the cold, gray world of their origin. The tireless creator slowed and he stopped. Panic crept into his every thought, his every muscle, into every ounce of his being, and then it seeped out into the world around him. The purple, incandescent sand fell from the sky. The music stopped. The flowers closed their blooms and that majestic beast came to a halt behind him, forgetting the urgency of the chase, forgetting everything at the sight of the proctors. They had found him, just as they always did. He had hoped that this time it would be different, that this time they'd give up, that they'd give him this day, this moment, this time. But that hope was in vain. When there's no passion, there can be no charity. And the proctors were as cold, as lifeless, as dry and gray as the world that had spawned them. The proctors leapt into the forest, running as soon as their feet hit the ground. Though they couldn't see where they ran, they didn't need to. They ran to the source of that world, ran to the wellspring of creativity, of creation, of dreams. They ran toward him, teeth clenched in pained grimaces, fingers splayed out, blackened nails like claws, and howling out the only word they could muster up to speak in this, a world of his creation, as a domain as pure as the first thought of the morning. They howled out. Stop. Stop. But he didn't stop. He couldn't stop. Instead, he turned, stared into the beast's big, fearful eyes, and found the connection he had ached for, forged the common ground that comprises the foundation of all true understanding. They didn't get to speak. They didn't get to communicate to share in the wonder of creativity and creation. But still, the beast understood enough to lower its head and allow the relentless dreamer, the tireless creator, to climb upon its back. Together they tore through the forest, where before they leapt joyously into the air, forcing the world back behind them. Now they barreled through it. The beast lowered that long, twisting alabaster horn and charged, swinging its massive head from side to side, clearing the way of bushes, trees, mountains, rivers, and increasingly of proctors as well. The first proctors to arrive, they had been left behind, far, far behind, lost in the churning sand and music that the beast kicked up in its wake. But though those proctors had failed, 
they would not be discouraged, as the forest began to fall apart with gaping rents in the fabric of that precious, perfect world. And out of those tears in reality poured the proctors, wretched up from holes that grew wider by the second. Once passed by the galloping beast and its frantic rider, the proctors, all scowls and sleek cloaks as black as the night that never came but always loomed, the proctors had no hope of overtaking them. They ran behind, their eyes covered, spitting and howling their single command, the only word they ever spoke. Stop. 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 But the proctors, for all their faults, weren't stupid. They were far, far from it, and this was far, far from their first foray into that shimmering, gleaming forest with its dancing trees and swirling skies. So soon enough, they adjusted their tactics, and in their blackened claws began to tear into the world not just from behind, but in front of the galloping beast. The relentless dreamer did his best to keep them away. He kicked as they approached, he punched and slapped as they set upon the beast, and he bit, spat, and screamed as they climbed up toward him. He was the tireless creator, the eternal sprinter. He had total mastery of his mind, his body, and the very world in which he found himself under attack. But under that constant assault, besieged by never-ending numbers, something inside of him gave way. Something broke and shattered. His confidence In the face of those odds, those blind, hateful, scowling faces that screamed over and over again, Stop! 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 Who was he to do otherwise? What could he do to combat them and their poisonous hold upon him? He could not say. He did not know. All he knew was that he could do nothing. And why should he do anything? Maybe they were right. Maybe they had been right all along. Maybe. No. No. He wouldn't allow it. He looked down and he gasped in horror. Without his protection, without his defenses, the beast had withered, its horn gone, and in place a gaping red hole, leaking out the lifeblood of that majestic creature. But though it stumbled, it kept running, kept running despite the fact that its body decayed before the dreamer's very eyes, shrinking into a skeletal form torn to jagged, bloody ribbons by the unforgiving, unforgetting claws of the proctors. With tears welling up in his eyes, knowing that there was nothing he could do for the doomed beast, he raised his face to the sky, that glorious expanse that still despite the best efforts of the proctors, swirled with colors, music, and possibility. He raised his face to the smiling red sun, he arched his back, and he screamed as a massive set of wings sprouted from his shoulder blades. The beast fell, letting out a sad, miserable cry as it was overrun, overtaken, covered in grimacing proctors. 
But as it fell, the relentless dreamer took flight, spreading his wings wide as he summoned up a warm breeze that lifted him into the air, above the proctors, above their dark visages, above the tears in the forest that even now sucked out the colors and the sounds, replacing them with nothing but harsh, gray murmurs. He beat his new wings mightily, climbing up into the sky, I set on the gleaming castles of the air, impossible arches spanning the distance from cloud to cloud. If he could reach them, if he could catch his breath, if he could refocus, regain his confidence, perhaps there was a chance. Maybe there was a way he could fight them off, send them back where they came from, back to that grim world, or maybe, at the very least, there was a way he could escape them. But as he rocketed skyward, arms pressed to his sides, cutting through the wind like a knife, he saw something. He saw what he had always known, saw what had always been waiting for him. He saw it, and he knew the truth. He could never escape. They would never let him, and they would always find a way to keep him from soaring. The rents had opened up in the sky itself, tearing out of those magnificent clouds, sucking in the colors that gave this world its vitality, pulling the light from the red sun, the one that shed tears of fire in its dying moments. They fell from the sky, the wind pulling back the loose skin around their eternal scowls. They poured from the heavens, most missing the mark, plummeting past their soaring target, screaming as they fell. Stop. 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 But enough hit their target, more than enough colliding into the relentless dreamer, the tireless creator, smashing into him, grasping at him, pulling at him, digging their claws in as deep as they could, anything to drag him down, drag him back down to earth, away from the glorious sky, away from the very existence that was his, but that could be theirs as well if they would just, if they would only open their eyes if they would only remove their blindfolds. The blindfolds. In his panic, he had almost forgotten. He struggled to climb into the sky, struggled to free his wings from the icy, unfeeling grasp of the proctors. But as he did so, he reached out to a proctor, reached out to the one clawing his way up his chest, with two more clawing their way up the first. He reached out, took his blindfold in his hands and he removed it. For a brief moment, he could see the proctor's eyes, and he watched as they were drained of cold obligation and immediately filled with unhinged fear. But a moment was all he had, because as soon as the proctor realized what had happened, realized that what had been done, he released his hold, he covered his eyes, shamefully, fearfully, and he fell. Proctor after proctor, he removed their blindfolds, they removed their hands, they covered their eyes, and they fell, fell through the air, smashed into the ground, irrevocably broken, staining the purple sand with their red, bubbling blood. Proctor after proctor, they gasped, they released, they fell to the earth, screaming, choosing death, choosing to venture into that inky black void of nothingness. 
Anything to avoid risking seduction by the world of that tireless dreamer. He sent Proctor after Proctor flailing, falling, howling to their doom. But for every one he dispatched, two more fell from the sky. For every two that had been hanging to the one, four more plummeted down from the heavens. They were too much. There were too many of them, and they never stopped coming. Faces he had seen grasp as their blindfolds were removed. Arms he had seen flail as they crashed down toward the earth. He saw them all again and again as those cursed holes coughed up Proctor after Proctor after Proctor. It was too much. There were too many of them. And he... He was just one. He was but one man with one dream, with one creation. And they, they were multitudes. They were legion. They were an unstoppable tidal wave crashing against the shores of his mind. And though he could withstand them for a time, the endless waves of assault wore him down. They eroded his defenses, the water pushing the beach, washing it away with a single sound endlessly repeated stop 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 it was too much they were too much and though he knew they were wrong though he knew he was wrong to give in it was no use there was no point They kept falling, kept crashing into him. They pinned his wings to his body. They forced him down. They kept him from reaching the heights he aspired to. The gleaming castles he had seen in the distance. The clouds he had reached out to touch. Their murmurs became a chant, a chant that became an incantation, repeated over and over again until he had no choice but to obey. Stop. Covered in proctors, his confidence broken, his mastery of his mind gone, his control of his body slipping, he smashed into the ground. Insulated by their cloaked, cold forms, he survived the crash, survived even as he found himself submerged in gore, in viscera, of the proctors that he had sent plummeting to their deaths, as well as those who had given themselves to drag him to the ground. With his confidence gone, he could no longer command his mind. With his mind out of his control, he could no longer sculpt his body. With his body cut loose, he could no longer affect the world around him. All he could do was cry and weep and plead for his release as his wings turned to dust and blew away, as the strength leaked out of his body and the proctors, that never-ending stream of proctors, poured into the forest and held him down, forced him to the ground, forced him into the cold, harsh reality of the world from whence they came. Whether a hundred, a dozen, or half as many, it didn't matter. They held him, held him in place, held his thrashing head steady, whispering in his ear over and over again, Stop! 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 As their fellows set to work, at first a thousand, 
then a score, and then a single proctor. It didn't matter. He crouched in the bubbling remains of his brethren, removed a mortar and pestle from his cloak, and he set to work. The relentless dreamer, the tireless creator, cried out, the cry of the helpless, the plea of the wretched, but it was no use. There was no deterring the proctors, no distracting them from their inevitable goal. Still sightless, still wearing his blindfold, the proctor ground the pestle into the mortar, and the dreamer could already smell what it contained. He knew what was coming, and worst of all, he knew there was no stopping it. The proctor removed the pestle and stepped aside, making way for another proctor, though he was identical to the first. The proctor knelt and took flint to steel, sending cold, gray sparks into the mortar where that foul, awful substance took light and began to smolder. The relentless creator fought, and he fought, but it was no use. They squeezed his head at the temples and held him in place as the proctor lifted the smoking mortar and brought it to him, placing it just beneath his nose, scowling and whispering, Stop! 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 He had no choice. There was nothing to be done. He hated it. He despised it. He loathed it. But there was nothing he could do. So with no other choice, he sighed, tears streaming down his face. And he breathed in. He breathed in the anchor. He did his best to fight it, to command his mind, to command his body, to fight it off, to reject it, to counteract it, to ignore its effects, to cast off the chains that steadily tightened around his neck, to lessen the load of the heavy iron that weighed him down, that dragged him to the earth, that pulled him out of the rarefied air of his creation. But it was no use. He clenched his eyes to shut, to keep from crying, but the tears found their way out anyway. It was no use. The anchor had taken hold, taken hold as it always did and it always must, and it grounded him, pulled him down, pulled him back down to earth. When he opened his eyes, his tired, glassy, bloodshot eyes, he found himself triply imprisoned as he had known that he would be. He was held by the locked doors of his cell, held by the three scowling proctors surrounding him, and worst of all, most terrible, most insufferably of all, held by bloated, pasty flesh, the broken, useless body that surrounded his true form. They had him. They held him. They had killed his dream and killed him, killed that which was truly him in the process. A proctor leaned down, blindfold removed, his eyes dead and lifeless. He scowled, scowled as he did every day, and he spoke. You need to stop. You need to stop and begin living up to your potential. The dreamer looked up, glassy eyes set in a puffy, expressionless face, the face they wanted him to have. He looked up slowly and croaked out a reply, a painful, defiant response. 
everyone lives up to their potential. It's all anyone can do. Thanks for tuning in to me reading some other guy's story for a half hour. If you dig this miniseries, though, I cannot stress enough that it pales in comparison to the real thing. In fact, email me and I'll personally send you the complete 160 episode series and all six of the ebooks. Because these days, it can be a little tricky to track everything down. Be sure to follow me on Instagram and Twitter. And while you're at it, be sure to go check out AubreyCitizen.com for links to all his stuff as well. His projects, his socials, his newsletter, everything. Peep the links in the description for all that good stuff. Thanks for listening. I'll talk at you next time.